Hello, everyone. Welcome to LJ Talks TV. I am your host, LJ Desik, and we're joined by actor, producer, puppeteer, visual effects artist. Yes, I am talking about Mike Quinn himself. Mike Quinn, how are you today? Hey, thank you for having me. I'm very well. Thank you very much. Yes. How about that? We're in the woods now, apparently. So oh, it's yeah. My, my sunny day. Yes. How are you doing? Good, good, good. So how how how's how's life been since these COVID times? I know we're deep into it. It's almost been like a one year anniversary since lockdown. Yeah. So how, how are you doing? Yeah. Um. Okay. Okay. I mean, I've I've kept myself super busy with lots of things. Um. Yeah. Uh, built a few websites, and uh, I'm in the middle of building uh twenty to thirty puppets right now. And oh, uh, yeah, been uh, I've made myself a little uh, tiki uh, bar in the kitchen and Ooh. did a lockdown music. A song thing and and what else um yeah just uh lots of learning as well learning online um oh, yeah. so but pretty well i've been uh, hiding away for almost a year um march was my last uh travel that i i did so oh uh, yeah. last show and then that's been it so i've pretty pretty well been hiding away and working on my little home studio office and getting that all all uh further along and and um yeah, I've not really stopped to be honest, uh, and that's a good thing. So I'm using the time, uh, you know, as best I can, uh, and uh, you know, that's I think that's the way the way through it. But you know, we, we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel now. Uh, so you know, they're talking now here, sort of spring summer things will start to improve a little bit here, and yeah. and uh, we'll start to maybe do some more shows again, and and then uh, more more filming and and. Uh, you know hopefully more muppets and star wars at some point as well some people are filming already in different oh, parts yeah. of the country and around the world but not not everybody's in not all productions have, have gone back yet so particularly mine so um yeah so i've got to squeeze in all the things i want to get done before i actually have to go away and travel and work again ironically so there's never enough time in one's life i think ever to to get the things done that you want to do so oh, there you go so so when i introduced you like you're like i feel like you're like all of it like you're actor you know puppeteer like what made you go that route because like and what you mean like doing multiple things yeah like what made you go the route of that yeah. industry yeah um it was partly out of curiosity and, and partly necessity as well uh, because i mean some people are there are they are just actors or they are just um uh, you know writers or just directors or, or just puppeteers or just puppet makers or whatever but there are a lot of people that do you know because everything crosses over um puppetry is acting it is sort of dance in a way and i always made my own puppets right from the beginning anyway so that kind of made sense i had a, a company with uh, my business partner dave barkley for 10 years in the uk where we designed and built puppets and animatronics for, for projects for other people as well as our own uh, shows as well our own projects so um so to me, they, they kind of go, hey, it's kind of like building your own musical instrument and then playing it as well. You know, you get to build what you want to perform, which is really nice. You get to decide what it what it should be. <clears throat> so that explains at least the, the building and the performing side. Um, but then uh, I'd work on shows where I'd be frustrated about the directing and uh, like, oh, man, they need a two shot here and this is way too tight and there's no room to perform and, and the camera keeps moving down and showing our heads and so that the directing part kind of came out of uh partly a um a, an enjoyment of just uh, documenting stuff uh so shooting things but also uh 
trying to make the puppets look good and, and tell those stories. So I got into directing that way. And of course, when you're directing, it helps if you're producing so you can uh, have a say in how things get directed and who gets hired and and uh, um, and all that and the, the, the schedule and all that kind of thing. So uh, so that's how that came about. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some things, but and everything kind of one thing helps the other. And you know, if if there's no performing happening, which happens a lot for for actors, then you know I can start writing stuff and 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 designing puppets, making things, and getting ideas down. And and I've been expanding into learning a, a lot more about uh, music production as well uh, at the moment. So I'm really interested in that. So I'll be you know writing some songs and stuff as well at some point too. Um, but you know. It, the thing is to, to always challenge yourself, right? Um, and uh, uh, yeah, and, and even if you don't know what you're doing and don't know how to do it, it's okay to to uh, not be that good at it because that's how you learn. And I think that's what kind of keeps you young and engaged as well. Always, always having challenges. So I could be really bored, but I never am. I've, I, I think I wasn't bored since bored since I was like five or six or something, you know, um, but uh, I've always, I always have things to do. And I, I think that's, that's uh, what we should all be doing. We should all fill our time with, with things that we are fascinated with and, and enjoy and, and uh, learn uh, as much as we can. Right. Can you give me a 10 second lesson on like what, what a puppeteer is? Cause from my understanding of puppets, like I just put like something on your hand and then you just talk with that. That's, that's what, that's all I know. So can you go in depth with it? And I can go in depth for 10 seconds. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I have an Academy online, of course, for teaching puppetry. So there's yeah. that, but which does go from like step one, right through to, to being able to do some, some TV film quality stuff. If people follow the lessons, but essentially puppetry is, is, uh, bringing an inanimate object to life and making someone believe that that thing is real. Where it doesn't matter if it's a, a it could be a, a cushion, a pillow, or, or a shoe, but you can still move this thing in such a way and give it emotion and thought. Um, and you're bringing that object to life, no matter how simple or how complex that may be. So, it, but it's also in a very surreal, abstract um, kind of way. You know, it can be quite cartoony or quite realistic, um, but ultimately you're animating something that that should never that has no business breathing and thinking and and speaking <laughs> a puppet can be anything right basically okay now now i understand now now my next question is, is how did you land the role of night no i can't pronounce his name but is it yeah no, no, right? you got it yeah Okay, yeah, okay. Nine, it's, it's a confusing name. So how did you land the role? Like, uh, how did you land yeah, that role? Yeah, number nine. Um, well, I was already um, uh, on the movie, of course, with uh, just – I was hired on Jedi um, after The Dark Crystal along with a lot of the other puppeteers because we were um, among the few people on the planet that had actually learned how to do this new art form called animatronics, um, you know, which was a combination of puppets and and, and mechanical faces and, and uh, hand, but hand puppetry as well, which was very specifically a gym thing. So, so a lot of these creatures in Return of the Jedi were kind of combinations of, of that. So when I was hired, uh, I was—I didn't even know what I was going to be performing at that time. I knew I'd just be doing various creatures. Uh, so Tim Rose and I started out working on Admiral Akbar and, and Sice Noodles. So we rehearsed those two together, and we shot in Jabba's palace first. And I got to do um, Reese, which was a, a, a three-eyed sort of creature, and the alcoves. So I was the close-up hand puppet version of that, which had an animatronic face. And, uh, and then we filmed on uh, 
Slice Noodles, who was the singer with the, the singing lips. So that was the first thing we put on film in, in Jabba's Palace. <clears throat> and then later on, uh, we, we filmed on uh, Admiral Akbar. Uh, so I was like the cable crew for his face, basically. And uh, Baby Ewok, little hand puppet Baby Ewoks. Um, so, I, and then, uh, yeah, uh, Frank came along, of course, and did uh, uh, a bit on uh, Yoda, of course. So then, because I'd assisted Frank um, with Fozzie Bear on, and Piggy on Muppets, he knew I could do do a, an, an assisting on Yoda film, do this, this the same job basically, a little right hand. So, so I got to do that. So things just kind of rolled on from one one creature and one puppet to the next throughout production, uh, and we'd sort of rehearse one thing and shoot another. And so I was, uh, you know, we were well into the film, at least halfway in, I would say. And I was hanging around Phil Tippett's uh, creature shop at Elstree Studios. It was probably one uh, late afternoon or early evening or something, and just kind of looking at the various puppets and masks and things that were all laid out on the on the workbenches. And I saw there were there were these um, there was the what we knew as as nine num or number nine uh, uh, on there were two two masks basically, and there were just masks that didn't have any articulation at all in the faces, no no movement whatsoever. So. Um, and uh, uh, they'd been worn, one of them had been worn by an extra at that point for some background scenes where you just see him kind of walking around, you know, and, and listening and nodding in the briefing room. And But he was just a background character and that was it. So uh, George Lucas, um, about this time, uh, I guess, knew he wanted a, a co-pilot for Lando and it hadn't really been figured out yet. <clears throat> so he'd obviously gone through all the different ideas you know should it be a human should it be an alien and he'd sort of seen the nine numb stuff and thought you know what he'd make an interesting uh, co-pilot so he chose out of the almost like a chorus line of of aliens you know bringing bringing him from the from a background chorus dancer to to be a, a featured player uh, so he said i want i want that one to be lando's co-pilot but he's got dialogue um and so so phil was telling me this and he was saying well you know he's he has no movement in his face, uh, you know, yeah, he's going to have to talk and oh dear. And he was, yeah, you could tell he was like dreading how, how was he going to do that? And his salute, you know, he said, well, maybe we'll just put an oxygen mask over his mouth because it doesn't move and put maybe some bladders in his cheeks so that every time he moves, it puffs and it looks like he's talking, but the eyes were still dead. You know, they were just sort of glued wide like that, you know, just like a, like the, the masks you can buy now. Um, so, so I said, well, look, I can actually um, put my hand inside this mask and kind of make him talk. And uh, he, maybe he could be like a, a big Muppet, a big hand puppet and work him above my head and, and put my hand in his hand and use the steering yoke and just work him like a big Muppet, put eye blinks in him and stuff like that. And um, Phil thought, actually, that's a really good idea. He thought it looked quite good what I was showing him. So he said, why don't you just fit that out? And we'll do a little test and show George, you know. So I temporarily kind of put a little foam brain in there so it could rest on my hand and put little grips inside the, the nose and the, the, the lips so I could make him talk properly and made a little shoulder section for the costume to hang on. And we did a film test uh, with George about a week later, I would say. And, uh, and he liked what, what we did. And I said, you know, you can put eye blink mechanisms in the eyes and, and give him little ear wiggles as well which you sort of see uh, from the reverse when, when they're going through hyperspace, you can sort of see his ears going a little bit there. Um, so, so uh, George bought that and said, okay, that's a good idea. And they sent it back to ILM, back to California to be um, mechanized. <clears throat> and it came back about two weeks later. And 
I guess because I had proven that I had the solution and could knew how to work him and could deliver, I somehow ended up with working him in the movie. Uh, I never auditioned or anything like that. It just sort of happened. So, uh, yeah, that's sort of how it came about. But I was quite happy. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's like, wow, the Falcon, this is great. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so that's sort of how it came about, really. So how old are you like? How old are you when the when 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 you were working on that film? Because like you're you're pretty young now. Because like all the actors from that movie, they're in their sixties, late sixties, seventies. So yeah, how old were I'm you a, then? I'm I'm now one hundred and three. So I, how old was I then? I was I was six years old then. No, I wasn't. Uh, no, <laughs> I, was I was actually. <clears throat> yeah, just for a minute there, got you going. Uh, okay. No, I was um, I was not eighteen yet. I was still seventeen. That was my third oh. movie. So, so you're living the dream. You're living your childhood yeah. dream. I wish. I'm around yeah, and, now. I, I can imagine that. <laughs> and you know, and I was a big fan of the first two movies anyway. So, so as you can imagine, being walking on set and thinking, well, first of all, how's this? You know, how's this trilogy going to finish? What's going to happen exactly? So there's always that part. But then you're actually walking in amongst the new sets and the characters and the actors, and and you get to see this stuff for real as well. You know, so it was kind of like a double, a double. Uh, a bit of fun for me, uh, double excitement. Uh, but then I also had to think, okay, I've got to put my professional hat on. I've got to work and, you know, deliver whatever it is they need of me and, and show up on time and all that kind of thing and do a good job and hit takes early as well, which we did. So, um, so yeah, while I was 17, I'd already made two movies already. So plus half of Return of the Jedi by then as well, if not more. So uh, I was at least experienced enough to, to to do the job. But Warwick Davis was younger than me. So, <laughs> you know, what was Holy. he like, nine or ten or nine, maybe? I forget, actually, so. actually. Yeah. What? That's so cool. Yeah, he I was wish. he was a, a young wish. lad. Yeah. Um, so he was younger than me, but he did, you know, wicked. So. So there you go. What was the what was the set like for that? Because I assume it's Star Wars. Like the sets are obviously gonna be amazing. So like, what was that? But yeah, experience and like? still, that's the thing. Even even um, kind of going back to the new stuff now, they they returned to as many practical sets and ships and and uh, props and items as they possibly could, including extras as well as many real extras as they could. So it was nice coming back to that after all this time where everything was becoming more and more digital and fake and green screen and da da. Um, and it all kind of gone back to, to the real stuff again. Uh, but the quality of them was so good because you could you could go walk right up to them and you'd swear that was a piece of rusted metal, you know. And it's not. It's plastic painted and it's like, but it looks so real to my eye, like close up. You never see that detail on, on, the, on the film or on the, you know, in the movies or even 4K, you know, on TV or whatever. But but um, but the sets were always then and now amazing and the props and the ships and everything looked real, you know, until you walk around the back and it's like, Oh, there's no, the street just ends. It doesn't continue. You know, it's like raining dr uh, drain pipes that have been dripping for 30 years and all the stains and, and everything just looks like so real. You walk around the corner, it's just a bunch of plywood and, and a few uh, lighting guys playing game of cards behind the set waiting to, to have to do something, you know, it's, it's so weird and surreal. It's amazing. It really is. Did you prefer what would you prefer the new set or, or the old set like the old like the old movie or the the new it's there's no different to me really um the only difference really difference really i would say would be the lighting 
where now um, the technology has improved so much that they can use uh, softer lights and lower levels and uh, and they're cooler as well. The lights are a lot cooler. They use more sort of reflected and bounce lights and, and just lower levels in general. They can get more subtleties in lighting. So back then, we, the sets used to be like really hot, you know, and you'd, you'd just fry and melt and, you know, and sometimes lenses from lamps up above looking like sky would um, uh, explode under the heat and you'd have shards of hot glass showering down on the crew and they'd all say don't look up you'd hear this bang and everyone would kind of cover themselves and then the nurse would come around and patch everybody everybody's uh, melted heads together <clears throat> and we'd get on with the the filming also things like smoke uh, there's always a lot of smoke used in film sets back then i think it was carcinogenic and now it's not because of safety rules things have come a long way since the 80s and 70s and but especially the 80s too so um so yeah they're they're much safer environments now and much more comfortable to work in that's the only difference really honestly really i thought there, i thought there was going to be like a big difference but i guess not and my next question, well, you kind of, my experience anyway. Yeah. I asked you this question a little earlier, but what, what made you want to become an actor? Was that like your first, was that, was that what you wanted to do first? Be an actor? I was always intrigued by, by becoming someone or becoming something, even as a, as a kid that, that I had puppets as a child as well. So I kind of enjoyed that i also enjoyed magic i enjoyed magic tricks and tv magicians and uh, in a way puppetry is a kind of a magic as well so they sort of melded together in later years where puppetry became my magic as well but um um yeah uh i'm trying to think really yeah i don't yeah i I don't know if I answered your question or not. No, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Well, um, so you worked behind the scenes for two very, very special films. You worked for for Toy Story two and <clears throat> Star Wars two, the prequel. And so <laughs> for Star Wars, uh, sorry, for Toy Story yeah. two, what did you do on that? You did, yeah. So I was right? a, yeah, character animator, mostly um, Woody's Roundup, you know, uh, because it was puppets, and it's like, hey, I know, I know where you, I know how you need to do this. Let me have this. Give me this. So I told them, uh, you know, where all the strings need to be and and how to do how to separate the jaw and the, and the eye blinks and stuff and how they would be if it was a wooden carved puppet. And we did some animation tests so I could sort of set the standard and the and the the, the level, the bar of, of how these things should move and and uh, and all that kind of thing. So so that was sort of mostly what I focused on uh, on Toy Story 2 and then uh, did a little bit on, on Bugs Life as well. Uh, Ooh, when they needed really? more people for a few shots. Yeah, about six shots, I think it was. Uh, they just pulled everybody over from Toy Story 2 because they were in a crunch. And so uh, we all went over and, and did that. At one point, there was just one other animator and myself on um, Toy Story 2 because everybody had been pulled over to A Bug's Life. <laughs> so it was a bit crazy. Uh, it was a crazy time. And so I was there for a while. And then, yeah, then I went to ILM afterwards to work on... Um, uh, Jurassic Park three and uh, Attack oh. of the Clones. So, so what was Attack of the Clones like? Like, what did you do for that one? So, initially, where I wanted to go to ILM because I knew they were going to do the CG Yoda, and um, having doubled for Frank Oz's characters before and studied Yoda a lot, and as well as worked on you know a bit on him, I knew how Yoda moved as a puppet and why he moved as a puppet. I knew what was happening inside uh, kinetically that kind of 
gave him the moves that he did and, and the timings and, uh, that Frank would have. So I wanted to translate some of that stuff to the CG Yoda. Um, so, so I was in, um, they put you in training for like six, eight weeks or whatever, six weeks or something when you go to ILM so that you can use then learn their software, their specific software and you do tests and stuff. I got pulled out about halfway through, uh, my training because somebody had left Jurassic park three to work on a James Bond game or something. And they were down a person and they, and they wanted me to, to jump in and work dinosaurs. So I ended up getting put on that for like six months. And by the time they're already, yeah, by the time that was done, they're at least halfway through, I would say, uh, Attack of the Clones or close to. So a lot of the Yoda shots had kind of already been divvied up and, and gone. So I just did a sorted, I did a bit of Yoda, but uh, some animated Count Dooku's head on the stuntman when he was doing his saber stuff. Because um, the, the stunt guy didn't, they decided didn't look quite enough like Christopher Lee. So they'd put a, a CG head on, on, the, on, the, on him and tracked it. And then I had to animate the uh, all the head moves and the and the expression eyes and stuff like that. Um, so I did that. Uh, some Geonosians flying around and uh, some creatures. Uh, yeah, a few odd, just random shots, really. I suppose. Um, so it w wasn't didn't end up being what I had hoped it would be in the end, but it is what it is. And I got to at least animate some famous dinosaurs. <laughs> so it wasn't so bad, I suppose. Does animation take like 24 seven to make, or do you work like once or twice a week for a couple months? Like how does that, how does that work? Yeah. And you, you, animation is really slow and um, it kind of consumes uh, you for six, nine, 12 months or whatever, depending on the movie. So, uh, you know, it's at least the movies I worked on at that time, we were doing, we'd start out with uh, doing regular uh, five days a week. But then as things always got a bit busy, you'd end up doing like 12, 14 hour days and six strokes, seven days a week uh, for months on end. And so, you, yeah, you can burn out pretty quickly. Um, so it's not the same as, as I'm, I'm good in sprints. I'm good in short, you know, I'm good with TV and doing and shooting scenes and then running away and, and having a week off and, you know, a month off or whatever. But but with animation, you just gotta, it's like a marathon. You just have keep going and keep going and keep going and somewhere in there you've got to eat and cut your hair and do your laundry so i know when we were on uh, toy story 2 and a bug's life uh people was ended up sleeping in their cubicles and and they were doing laundry in 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 the in pixar and they had people coming in to cut their hair and they were bringing food in in the evening and uh, so it, it was it was quite brutal you must be really committed for that, eh? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there are some people that are still there now from when I was there back in. I left in. I left Pixar in two thousand, I think it was. So, but there are some people that are not only are they still there, uh, but they've gone on to become animation supervisors and directors and stuff like that. So you know they've gone up the the, the ladder and stayed the course. Um, and they were a lot more dedicated than I was. It's like okay, now I've I've. I've climbed that mountain. I've conquered it. I need a new challenge now. See ya, you know, because that's kind of how I am. I need to keep being challenged with new things all the time. So <laughs> I'd already like been there, done that. That was good. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay. Now, before we finish the interview, I am going to share my screen and we're just going to react to your scenes in Star Wars. It's only a three okay. minute clip. I'll probably pause and stuff and you'll discuss it. All so, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just going to put my chair out right. a little bit. Let's see what we've got here. This will be interesting. Share screen. 
<laughs> All right, screen two. Are you see? Oh, uh, see. see? <clears throat> yeah. All okay. Right. I'll put the volume down. A little, like, okay. okay. I'll keep on pausing. So there, there, there's you, right? No, that's the extra who was. Uh, oh, the extra. I said earlier. Um, oh, yeah. This was, oh, yeah. This was earlier on before he even became Nine Num, really. He was just oh, yeah. a background uh, pilot. Oh, so okay. in this scene, I'm actually helping Admiral Akbar. I'm doing Admiral. When you see Ak Akbar sort of um, more full length, sort of like from this size and wider, Tim Rose is in a, is in a costume, and I'm working uh, the mouth on a cable control. And when you see him in close-up, pretty more, well, almost how I am now, armpits upwards, then he's a hand puppet. And Tim's working the mouth as a hand puppet. And I'm working the eye uh, blinks and turns on a cable control. So so that's how that works. So there were two versions of Akbar. So on this, I was, I was uh, assisting with Akbar the entire time. And in fact, before you move on, just out of curiosity uh, for you guys, um, uh, this, I don't know if you've seen this, some documentary footage of me hiding under that console in the center there um wrangling some cables that went up tim rose's leg for the for akbar some old documentary footage so i was actually hiding some of the time under that console there with the that had the hologram on it and the hologram that was on top of the uh death star i guess it was wasn't it um that was actually uh, uh the genesis of uh, pixar um because the pixar uh, software uh, written by Ed Catmull was actually a part of ILM's early digital stuff. So, and, and the, the head coder um, actually coded that CG element in there. Um, and he then went with Ed Catmull uh, and then to, with John Laster and Steve Jobs when, when George Lucas sold off his digital uh, uh, department. So what happened on in that shot right there with the, with the hologram was pretty well, as far as I know, could have been the very first sort of uh, Pixar um, or what was to become Pixar's animation, which is an interesting link, isn't it? Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I would. Yeah, there you go. That was it. Yeah. And I'm sure the technology it was, a, it was way harder to use back then because it was, yes. you know. So yeah. And they're the having 80s, to. Though. You know, and Akbar has to step in front of it there as well. So uh, they had to cut that out. So I assume that was probably done by hand. So there so you see, he has, he has no movement. Yeah, so he's got yeah. no movement on his face, you see. So he was just literally a background, like all the other guys, just walking around. He's also taller than me, so, uh, you know. And then we come back to the to the acting puppet, the close-up puppet, where suddenly his mouth and eyes move, and, and he thinks, and he's, uh, yeah, he can talk, finally. So I gotta I gotta give credit to you guys because this this is really detailed. Like this looks amazing. It looks awesome for the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And and this is a voice actor playing him, right? Or is this the the, the, the person inside actually voicing him? Well, I was that was my hand inside his head. Remember, so oh. um, you know, this is a hand puppet. I'm it's like a muppet oh. essentially, but with, oh, with cable okay. cable. So my hand is inside the mouth, and uh, they always replace the creature voice just like they did jab of the heart and even frank goz had to re re loop his yoda stuff to be co consistent because he's shooting over a few days and there's noises of the set creaking and you know you can't get the flow yeah. and the cadence right so but anyway uh, the script said he spoke an alien language so um you know and that was all it said in the script and he had all these different lines of dialogue that lando responded to and i thought well 
you're going to replace it anyway. Just have me speak in English, you know? So I actually wrote in the script what I thought he would be saying that would match Lando's response. And George Lucas was actually directing the scene because they were running behind and Richard Marquand was shooting the Rancor pit on another stage. So this was directed by George. So I just showed him my, my script, my sides, my pages, and it, I penciled it in so I could get rid of it really quickly. I said, like, can I say this stuff, you know, because it's going to be replaced. And he looked it over and just said, yeah, that's fine. So so that helped um, Billy D as well for Lando. So, you know, what I what I would say would kind of help feed his lines as well. Plus, it gave me some, you know, meaning to what I was saying, because I'm actually saying real stuff uh you know instead of just random gibberish uh so so i laid down a guide voice and then when they were putting the uh post-production audio together um ben burt of course who was the master of, of everything audio <laughs> basically and you know he's the things that he's set up are still being used to this day um so and I talked to him about this later, actually, and he said, uh, you know, he could even tell just from looking at, at at the puppet what my intent was as well, which was nice. So, but they had an uh, an intern uh, from Kenya um, uh, working at Skywalker, so he pulled him in because he he had you know different sounds and a different language, and he just got got this intern. He wasn't an actor, to um. To, to say different things and laughs and, and silly sentences and, and different random stuff. And he kind of piped it all into, matched it all into what I was doing, basically. Um, and he's actually a teacher. He's still teaching now in Kenya. He's not, he's not an actor, but, but um, uh, they've found him each time for, for the new movies and for the, uh, for the, the Disney um, ride as well. So it's always, it's always been uh, Kip Sang is his name. And I've not met him yet, so they need to bring him over for for a celebration or something, and we can have a kind of a a reunion that that for the first time, I suppose that would be quite nice. So, but so he's always uh, voiced him, yeah. Um, but he speaks Kenyan. He's one of the few Star Wars characters that speaks uh, another real world world language besides English. And uh, so, so Nine Num became a big hit in Kenya uh, because he spoke their language, and some of the things he said was a bit funny as well uh you know and so so actors like uh lupita who who um you know played mars you know she grew up uh, knowing and liking nine num because he he spoke her language so that's quite nice you know so that's how the, the voice side worked yeah holy that's a lot to take in thank you there you see his ears going a bit there just a tiny bit here we are yeah And there, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I, ooh, yeah. So I just tried to bring a lot of life to him. I I saw him as being very sort of energetic and young and and wide eyed, and so I really tried to put that into into him that he was very alert and very into into what he was doing. Um, and yeah, he was kind of kind of a. It's a fun look, you know. I'm glad it worked oh, yeah. out. And then back to the extra again because they shot that. This is a really good yet. scene. Yeah, that scene that was uh, probably the best scene. Now this is the uh, sequel, I think. Yeah, so I'm next to Leia on the left. That's a bit dark, but yeah. They stuck me next to Leia, which was nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But this time I'm actually inside him, of course. Ooh. As, uh, you know, uh, and there too. So it's it was all made to fit me. 
Um, and uh, yeah, so so that for that I'd have an earpiece and a microphone, and and I had one puppeteer who would work my face on on radio control, uh, and we'd rehearse with the head off so that the puppeteer could see what my intent was. But I also tried to keep some of the same thought processes and approach to the costume version of Nine Numb to the puppet, where he'll you'll see he's very specific and very clean and um, almost animation-y in a way. He's not he's not just moving all the time. You know, he's very <laughs> he's like very specific with all with his poses and his thoughts and his attitudes um, and the face as well. So both the head, the body language, and the face. He's, I wanted it to be very clear you know, from first glance, what his, what his face was doing and what he was thinking. And if he changed an expression, it was very, very clean. So that was a very specific uh, choice I made with him. Now, did and you when guys you know play... that, you, you know, when you watch it, you kind of, you can sort of see, Oh, okay. I see that now. Yeah. So did you guys put like an aging effect on him? Cause he looks like he's aged a bit, which is if you did, that's like good detail. So yeah, definitely. He's a lot more wrinkled and saggy. And, oh, yeah. you know, we're, we're starting to look more and more like each other as we both age now. And also, <laughs> JJ wanted him painted a bit darker as well. I think originally they painted him a bit lighter, more like the original. He said, I want him a bit darker now because I guess he, he just wanted it more textured and, and stuff and weathered, I suppose, too. So he has a lot more wrinkles. He's, you know, his, his head's a slightly different shape. It is a different sculpt. Um, but now he had to accommodate all those servo mechanisms inside as well as my head, my big giant head. So, <laughs> so he is a new sculpt. Yeah, for sure. To, to think that's you, like, that's crazy. Like that, that, that's you, that they, uh, yeah. n- fan moment. Like that's crazy. That's it's great know, because look, you know, and for me it was wonderful because I got to go back on the Falcon again. Uh, and then here I am with R2 and BB and talking, you know, what I was doing there, actually, there's a, there's another shot that's not in the movie, but it's somewhere online. It's a close up of um like five second close-up of nine and finn which we shot and but but the whole time i was i was trying to make him laugh basically because i knew they weren't recording dialogue on us um so and he could he was close enough to where he could hear me through the the, the mask and so i was just trying to crack him up with all the, with each take saying you know saying that you know my grandmother knows how to fly uh x-wings better than and, and tie fighters better than you do and and uh, just coming out with stuff during the take not telling him what i was doing and every once in a while he'd crack up and stuff but <laughs> but i wanted to you know i wanted to just have a real conversation with him uh it wasn't scripted or anything and so we were just sort of chatting amongst ourselves but then he you know you move over to, to right there and there's carrie you know sitting down there on the on the bench on the trunk there and uh, i think that might have been the last thing she ever filmed possibly i think it because we did film it right at the end of the film just before the rap party so like literally a week or less um so uh that may well have been and then i know she started she went on tour didn't she for for her book uh uh, signing and that kind of thing this may have been the very last thing she ever actually filmed ever so and then you got good old 3po and and chewbacca back there and and uh, poe so it's a beautiful moment. It's, it's, yeah, for me, it's quite special, uh, you know, for so many reasons. And I got to be part of that because the other thing was everyone kept saying when I, when I went on to, on to The Last Jedi, you know, I, I didn't do much on it. Um, but um, there was actually some stuff of me running through the tunnels that you don't see because it, uh, it got cut. But also it's a bit dark, you know, when they're running towards uh, Crystal Fox. So I was yeah. in those shots as well. But it just, yeah, you just don't really see it. Um but uh, they kept saying, "Oh, you know, I don't. I think. I think you. I think you like Akbar, Mike. I think. You, I think you've, you're gonna bite it. You know. 
uh, only people that make it onto the Falcon are ones that make it to the next movie. I think I think you're going to die uh, in this film. And they're like all afraid to tell me. It's like, no, I'm on the Falcon. I'm good. I'm in the next movie. I'm all right. I made it. <laughs> Was that your uh, last time? Did you? Or sorry, did you ever talk to uh, Carrie Fisher or no? Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, we, we oh. you know, um, didn't say a whole lot because, well, half the time I had the mask on anyway, but also uh, I wanted to respect her time um, in between takes, you know, where she could sort of rest a little bit and go over her lines and stuff like that. But, you know, we kind of smiled and nodded and stuff. We'd, we'd seen each other at shows as well, you know, at signings and conventions in the past too. So, uh, you know, we just give each other little knowing looks and smiles and, and uh, yeah, it was nice, you know. That's good. All right. There is a couple seconds left. Let's see the next scenes. <laughs> What's which oh, one? Yes, there next? we go. Down there somewhere. Yep. He's in there. <laughs> we shot loads more, but a lot of it was cut, so and that was pretty well one take. Really? Oh. And then we shot more of this as well. Uh, the end, we shot a lot. We were going in and out of hyperspace and and uh, doing all kinds of pre-stuff, you know, that, that never made it into the final film. That was fun, though. It's like, oh, good, I get to drive the Tantive Four, you know, the original ship that was in the very first movie that was uh, Leia's ship that had the, the Death Star plan. So it's like, yeah, this is really great. It's fun. And I get to be pilot, not co-pilot in that one, which was good. Now, before before we finish, would you like to shout out your program, that your, your your puppeteer one? Would you like to oh, shout that you. out? Um, okay, yeah, uh, Secrets of Puppetry is what it is, and it's an online um, uh, uh, academy, really, uh, for learning how to do sort of hand puppet stuff. So let me see if I can throw this guy on. So, so yeah, you sort of learn how to do all the – and it's all the same stuff that I was using um, – you know, for Nine Numb in Return of the Jedi, it's the same. In, you know, I, because I learned how to do this stuff, I could do Nine Numb. And there I, and so when you see him laughing, he's going, <laughs> he's, he's doing that, really. It's no different to this. So, is it? That's right. Oh, that's right. Absolutely. Oh, yes. I forgot to. I remember now. I'm supposed to have a posh voice for some reason. You decided that was going to be good. Doesn't it's ridiculous? I can't speak posh. I'm a monster. So, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, so you learn how to do this stuff basically. And, and, uh, without having to think about it because it's all technique, really. It's, it's just like when you learn to, to play a musical instrument, you don't think about the technique of playing. You, you think about the music you're performing, don't you? No, that's, he's making it up. Don't listen to him. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so that's it anyway. Secrets of puppetry, or if you go to academy.secretsofpuppetry.com, then you'll find it. Yes. Um, Yes, 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 yes. He does go on. <laughs> I just gotta ask you one more question. This is just a this is just a random one. Uh, do you have any props from Star Wars? I know they don't really give out props, but do you have something props. that you could show us? Mad, mad props, mad props, as they say. No, nothing. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint you, but nothing. No, it's all. <laughs> Well, everything goes into their archives, either for scanning or for reuse or for museum uh, ex exhibits, stuff like that. So, um, you know, yeah, because they may want to either use it again or use it for reference for something, right? Yeah, yeah, what he said. So, no, nothing. But I do have my memories and my scars. 
Oh, yeah, that's what matters most. There is that. Yes, yes, there's that. I know, I know. Can't take him anywhere. (laughs) Well, thank you for your time. This was such an awesome interview. It was fun talking to you. Thank you. Everyone go follow him on Instagram at... What's your Instagram again? I forgot. Secrets of Puppetry. Go follow them. And yeah. Secrets of Puppetry. Subscribe, guys. Yes. And that's the end. So...